Hello and welcome to this uh, special edition of We're Not Wizards. Every now and again um, I like Colin to go outside and play for a bit and get himself some fresh air. So what I do is I, instead of that, while he's outside enjoying the sunshine and running about in the grass with his hair flowing in the wind, I like to bring somebody else on and have a quick chat with him about uh, about some board games, some board game topics. Now, our, um, our guest our guest today, this evening, tonight, depending on whenever you're listening to the interview, is a gentleman by the name of uh, Geoffrey Greer. Um, Geoffrey was recently involved in running a successful um, Kickstarter campaign for his game, uh, his solitaire card game, Sons Ali. Um, so he's here tonight. So hello, Geoffrey. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you know, um, we've kind of chatting back and forward since I think the first time uh, We're Not Wizards kind of uh, came along and uh, we appreciated kind of all the feedback and support that you gave us so I think uh, what better than to if we're going to do an interview it kind of it would have been rude not to kind of um, (laughs) kind of have kind of have you on Um, so you're um, you're in California which is a place I've never been and obviously I'm in Scotland which I understand is a place that You've never been either, so that's that's all good. Um, I'm just obviously this is. I just want to find out a little bit more about yourself, as me and Colin are fond of saying. It's it's your night, um, Jeffrey. So, um, I mean, obviously you've run a very very successful um, Kickstarter campaign because it's fully fully funded. But um, I suppose my first question is: is you know board games themselves? I mean, how did you? How did you get into board games? Was it, you know, from an early age? Yeah, sure. Uh, My family and I played games a lot when we were younger. Uh, When my sister and I were younger, my dad had all sorts of board games, mostly mainstream stuff, Mm -hmm. big commercial stuff, the Monopolies, the Saris, that sort of thing. All right. a clue was a big one, and I notice over on your side of the pond, you guys called it Cluedo. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know where is. that comes from. <laughs> I have no idea. I think it's maybe just to change it slightly. It's the whole. Yeah, who knows? It's kind of the whole um, changing, changing chocolate bars thing. It may be moving right. to board games and decided that um, they didn't want to have it there. Um, your company's called Past Go. So is that yes. is that any connection to kind of Monopoly then? Were you absolutely were you absolutely. were you a bit of a Monopoly fan when you were younger? When we were younger, I played Monopoly all the time, very aggressively, <laughs> very viciously. Um, it was almost like family competition to to really be cunning and be nasty to each other in a game of Monopoly. And how often did you win? So, did you win all the time? For a while, I just. I mean, as as you know, and one of the things that's made the game so unpopular in the hobby is the high luck probability. So, you know, you get eliminated in the first half a lot of the time through no fault of your own. But once I started being cunning and being nasty, (laughs) uh, I did win, uh, I guess, my fair share. (laughs) (laughs) But at at the expense of friends. (laughs) So did you move this philosophy into other board games? I mean, were you... Were you the were you kind of like the the worst person to play if you were then went on to play Risk or, you know, were you were you the bad boy at the Buckaroo or or Mousetrap or, you know, <laughs> were you? I, I'd say not, but but <laughs> what I got out of it was sort of realizing that games games were a chance to be clever and a chance to be cunning. You didn't have to be mean spirited about yeah. it, but 
a lot of games started to make a lot more sense to me mm-hmm. when I saw what the strategy was or what the tactics were. Uh, checkers is a big example. I used to abhor playing checkers. Yeah. I thought it was a stupid, pointless game. And then one day, I don't know how, I just sort of started to see what was strategic and what was smart versus what was not a good move. And and then it became a lot more enjoyable. So that, that was true for Monopoly as well and, and everything since then. Okay. So, I mean, using that kind of knowledge, did that move you to start um, to start kind of designing board games yourself? My dad designed a board game that we played a lot when we were younger, and uh, we just loved to get it out. It was something he had made, handmade on poster board with scrap parts and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that exposure made me realize that games were a thing that you could make you know that someone there was somebody out there who made this thing up and that could be you as well Um, i didn't start doing it seriously until i was a teenager and i got exposure to more complex games and more war games and things like that so were you a bit of a war gamer then when you were growing up yeah sometimes uh avalon hill company was sort of like it's funny people have gateway games that get them into the hobby and they're usually sort of mainstream or or something that's light like maybe Catan or things like that yeah. but my gateway games were avalon hill these heavy duty war games yeah but i mean you were vicious of... and things like that so it's probably only natural <laughs> right, that you right. moved into something that you know could could cause fear <laughs> yes it made perfect sense so, i actually had to mellow out over the years because i realized uh you know in my 20s there's not a lot of people who want to socially play these sorts of heavy-duty <laughs> war games. I, I mean, um, I think that the, the, the board game, I think that the entire board game hobby is experiencing a period of kind of enlightenment and new growth, which is which is to Definitely. be good, but it's always worthwhile remembering where you where you came from. But, um, right. So do you remember the first game that you designed? Do you still have it? Is it still, you know... The very first game I designed... Uh, appears to be this thing I made when I was about third grade. Right. And I called it uh, uh, Big Business or something like that. <laughs> and it was sort of like uh, roll and move around the board, collect money, lose money. Wow. I don't know what the rules are anymore. You just look at the board. Is it greed, and like greed is good? <laughs> it's like Wall, yeah. Wall Street. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Um, looking at what I have left of the board, it seems like it was highly luck-based and not a lot of thinking involved. But no. uh, my mom has it. She, she's, she's got it in her garage it. with a bunch of old stuff I made when I was in grade did school. Did she ever, <laughs> when, um, was it Valerie, when you and Valerie were first kind of dating, did she, not, did she not bring it out to embarrass you at any point? No, because you know what? We only rediscovered it a few months ago all right okay i was like oh wow i totally (laughs) remember this but had forgotten it until then (laughs) so it's one of those past experiences that maybe buried into your mind and then kind of maybe forced you (laughs) reminded you that you'd designed board games in the past and it was worthwhile kind of pushing it forward and doing it now yeah yeah maybe so okay the first one that i designed with any serious intention to get it published was in high school i I tried to design a, a tactical game based on the Dune novels. Oh, yeah, okay. Because uh, I had read those and was absolutely in love with them and uh, thought, oh, this would make a fantastic battle game if I did this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, and I put a lot of work into it. I had no idea at the time that I was really putting the cart before the horse. I had 
done way too much work on a prototype that didn't really work well. Yeah. But that's all part of the learning oh, curve. Of course it is. So, I mean, do you have, I mean, you have a specific kind of design process that you go through? Do you just throw a lot of card together and see what kind of sticks? Or are you a very meticulous type of kind of planner? I mean... I, I don't know, you know, I it starts with an idea, you know, what if there was a game that did mm-hmm. X, mm-hmm. you know, or it starts with certain parameters, and then, you know, you just start cutting up cards and, and finding spare parts and coins and stuff to push around on a piece of paper and, yeah. and see if the rules you've invented make any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then it's just sort of like a trial and error process to try and take the rules that don't work and adjust them while still keeping the vision that you wanted the game to be. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. It's 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 re- very much trial and error for me. So did Sonsali was that did that the game that when you had that first flash of inspiration was that the kind of the final was that close to what you had on the table at the final product? Yeah, that one is pretty close to what I had imagined in the first place Uh, there was a lot of tweaking and adjusting mostly in terms of the arithmetic and getting the numbers and the math right just because I wanted to make sure that the player had a solid gaming experience that wasn't over in 10 seconds Mm. but was also challenging but not impossible you know you had to get the balance just right because it's a real, it's then, an interesting concept. Because there's not many. Well, I can't remember seeing another Kickstarter game that was just for the single player. I mean, there was a lot of games out there that were all about the, um, that were all about. There's a big push to have like two to eight players, and then have an expansion to allow up to kind of like ten players. I mean, um, one of the games that I see, well. That was on Kickstarter with Steampunk Rally that has up to kind of eight players mm-hmm. and you can have even more if you want. So yeah. that was kind of quite unusual. I must admit that was kind of the one of the ones that, um, you know, that was kind of what attracted me to kind of like Sons Lee. But I mean, that was your second Kickstarter campaign um, because you ran right. you ran another one before that, and that was um, that was is it Parenthood? Is that right? Correct. Yeah? Yes. Um, yes. Now, um, obviously, that that went that that got funded, if I'm correct. Yes, yeah? um, it did. Yeah, and that was obviously different to Son- to Sonsali. When you ran that campaign, was there was there any lessons that you learned running the Parenthood campaign that you brought into the Sonsali campaign? Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. We didn't know what we were doing at all mm. with the Parenthood campaign. That was our first venture into Kickstarter. We had had that game designed and had played it uh, with friends and family for several years just with a homemade version, you know. Uh And whenever you have something like that, people are always just encouraging you, oh, you should get this published, you should do this, you should do that. Because, of course, it's so easy. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, Um, mean, that's what I've done just before we even spoke. I mean, I've drawn up a board game, I've done the graphics, I've got the components together, and it's published and out there. I mean, it'll be shipping right. out Tuesday. It's you know. I can't wait to get my copy. I, I'll send you five because we've got we've got <laughs> the logistics in place and we've got the postage service and we know how big the box is going to be and <laughs> and everything. Perfect. You know, it is yeah. just that easy. I'm surprised that not everybody's kind of doing it. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it is. I mean, it 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 
comes from the right place. People are being supportive and encouraging. But yeah. Most people just don't have any clue how complex no. it is to get anything published at all. Yeah. So uh, we had it and we played it and it was it was fun. And then Kickstarter started to get more momentum, and so we decided, well, hey, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, but we had we had no idea what we were doing. I. I built the Kickstarter page in a couple of days, and it was up and running later that week. All right, I okay. knew nothing about trying to build your audience ahead of time, trying to get some reviews, and yeah. I mean, just just nothing, you know. So, the majority of the people who funded the Parenthood campaign are personal friends and family. I, we know almost all of the backers, and there's only a small number who just sort of picked it up through. Uh, BGG or through uh, the campaign itself, that sort of thing. Is it still something that you guys play? Do you kind of? Yeah, we do. We do uh, because it's social. You know, you you have your different games for your different groups, your different circles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that one is definitely in our light family fodder collection. When it's just <laughs> sort of non-gamers and camping trip, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. You can just get get the game out and then just let people kind of have a shot and and play it and. Yeah, I mean, there's still um, a lot of people I know that you mentioned the word board game, and they've got it up there with root canal surgery for some reason. Right. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, okay, I said, do you want to play Mysterium? And they're like, um, I've got to go to the dentist. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. you've made your choice then. So that's, you know, that's, that's kind of fine. <laughs> um, and to, obviously one of the things that um, that doesn't get mentioned a lot is, was there... And it's I've not asked, so I'm going to ask you because um, is what did you find you got a, a support from the Kickstarter staff? I mean, was there somebody that was there to say, um, "Have you considered doing this? Have you considered doing that?" Or was it a case of fill in your details, put your stuff in, and launch your campaign? Yeah, Kickstarter, the organization themselves, they. They don't really provide you with much constructive feedback. Now, to to qualify that statement, they don't claim to do that, and they sort of no. come out from saying we don't do this sort of yeah. thing. That's not what they're there. I'm for. guessing. They, I'm guessing if they handed out advice to you, and if the Kickstarter didn't get funded, then it would give you the right. You know, obviously the the ammunition to turn around and say, well, you said do this, this, and this, and it hasn't been funded. So I guess they're yeah, that that makes themselves. sense. Yeah. Okay. They provide you with the platform to create your uh, campaign, yeah. okay, and they, they give you the space for it. Yeah. And they're there in a support function mainly to make sure things are working properly and that you can do what you want to do. But they're not really there in a position to tell you, hey, this is a good – they give you a few tips here and there, yeah. stuff that's sort of like generally good rules of thumb, yeah. that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, but, you know – the, the creator shouldn't go into it expecting the Kickstarter people yeah. to, you know, build their campaign for no, them. No, they're not there as they're not there as cheer, cheerleaders for you. Basically, they're not even the coach. They're the guys. They're basically the they're the hundred yard field that you play the ball on. <laughs> if you look exactly. at it that way, <laughs> um, you know, there's no there's no game if they're if they're not there. Um, but you know, they certainly don't make the team kind of thing. That is the worst exactly. analogy ever, but it's as close as I can get to a kind of a, a U.S. analogy, you know. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to ask you because uh, it sounded like you were making an American football. I reference. was indeed, yeah, the good old 100 <laughs> yards. Yeah, we've got, you know, we're... Good for you. We're, 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 not, wizard, we're not Wizards International. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so... 
based on that, did you then go and seek kind of guidance and support from other sources? Like, you know, did you, you know, look at things like Board Game Geek, which seems to have a massive presence online now? Well, after Parenthood got published, we started to build build ways to promote it. So we had the Twitter thing, mm. and we had an email list and that sort of stuff. Mm. And and then I started to create the blog and the website, and it really just sort of evolved from there. And eventually, Parenthood sort of got phased out as the primary focus of what we were doing, and that just became part of a sort of litany of things that yeah, we were trying to get done. done. Because for anyone that's not gone on to Jeffrey's site, and I advise you to have a look, he you've, you've not just got information about Sanzalee, but you write some opinion pieces, um, you have got a little bit of history about yourself. It's, an, it's a site that's worthwhile, you know, jumping in when there's a new article, because some of the stuff that you write is, you know, it's worth reading, which is, which is good. And I think that's one of the ways to engage with your audience, is uh, a lot of Kickstarters... Um, are, can kind of disappear after a while or you don't hear an awful lot from them but the, your, your website's certainly worthwhile kind of um, going on and your your communication during the the campaign um, looked you know you looked like you were you were keeping everybody kind of kind of informed I mean Sonsley itself it really kind of ran through and rallied at the end point I mean I know there was it did I know you know I know and I think the funny, it it was funny at the time, but you kind of said, "Right, guys, I'm working now, so right. I won't even be able to know if the campaign's been funded." And then I think there was, so you couldn't even post when it happened. It was kind of almost like it was like a, a final push, World War Two kind of thing. It's like, okay, okay, gentlemen, this is it. Right. You know, right. I might not see you on the other side. Well, I will see you on the other side in forty eight hours. And then, of course. <laughs> All of a sudden, I looked at the comments section, and there's like about ten comments going, "Jeffrey, it's funded." Yeah, <laughs> it's funded, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Yeah. And then you came in. The and other went, problem is the the computer that I have at work. Uh, it allows me to look at the website no problem, but due to the filters and things like that they've got with our IT department, I can't post anything. It just malfunctions. So, so your man, you know, it's like I'm I'm looking, I'm 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 on the outside looking in. Cloud. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, just let me post. Yeah, but that no, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was. I think that was kind of like that. But it was. I mean, there was a point um, where you. Um, you sent out a note saying, "Well, guys, if you know if we're close to not getting, if we don't get funded, then this is the contingency plan." So it was, it was, you know, but you rallied and you you not only hit target, but you kind of exceeded it um, by a reasonable amount as well. Um, how I mean, the community had your back. That was clear from, you know, a couple of weeks into the campaign, there was always very, very kind of constructive comments. Um, Everybody seemed to be very, very positive. But, I mean, how how important to you were the community as the as the campaign was running? Because I noticed that lots of suggestions and support were kind of given by the community. Oh, the community was fundamental. Uh, the community that I began to interact with in the months leading up to the campaign was foundational because I got to learn a lot of what I should have done the first time and what needs to be done to really get attention and 
you know, start the campaign off on the right foot. Mm. And then while we were in the midst of it, I just couldn't have been more thrilled with sort of like the, the fan base that seemed to be growing. There was almost like a cult following and we were getting lots of people just, I, I was floored by people's willingness to volunteer things, to translate the rules or to make a version on uh, the board game Tabletop Simulator or to just play the game thousands of times in a variety of different ways and experiment with possible variations and, and put the stuff up on BGG. It was amazing. I mean, um, obviously one of the things with the the campaign was people were, you know, talking about new rules and people were talking about, you know, how they could help with the campaign and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it did kind of, it did really kind of, it impressed me how much they kind of took the game to heart, and they were really, really kind of, um, kind of looking, kind of looking at help as well, and it was very positive. But, I mean, obviously, um, is it maybe the case that I mean, for a lot of Kickstarter supporters, is there maybe like a everybody's got a, a board game or a card game within themselves that they would like to get there, and they kind of saw you as this is the guy that we can really get behind because there are quite a lot of. Um, you know, bigger companies that are using kind of Kickstarter at the moment as well, um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why when people saw you, they kind of and saw the campaign and saw the kind of the passion and the work that you put into it, they were, um, you know, they were um, they they rallied behind you. You know, at the end of the day, the irony was that you weren't you weren't sans Elise at all. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, that's very You true. ended up having a small army. I mean, World War Two wouldn't have been a problem if you'd been in charge. <laughs> you would, you would <laughs> well, have just... I don't know about well, that. Well, you know, that's probably... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, now the dust has kind of settled and you're in production. I mean, looking back at the campaign, I mean, you mentioned, you know, a lot of guys took a lot of time to kind of play test it and highlight maybe things that needed kind of, you know, tweak slightly. I mean, is there anything that you would have changed about the campaign, you know, with hindsight, basically? You know, I don't think so. Obviously, the campaign is sort of like a living thing while it's happening, so you're you're constantly responding to people's input, and, and you may be adjusting things on the page. And you also have to know when to say no and when to say uh, you know, that's, that's not what we're going to do, or that's not what's in the best interest. Uh, and you have to do so in a, in a courteous way. Yeah. But I, I'm just pleased. I can't imagine that the thing could have gone any better. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to have the $13 million campaign. Mm. But uh, that comes with its own nightmares <laughs> once you're trying to fulfill all yeah, those orders and that yeah, sort of thing and you don't you don't want us ranting about you on the podcast <laughs> but in, so in, i mean in, I, i'm happy with the way it went i we were successful like you said we had a little bit of an overage that gave me some some comfort in being able to look back and maybe improve a few things yeah. or if nothing else this gives me a little little bit of a nest egg to reinvest in the next project whatever it might be yeah I mean, has I mean, obviously, one of the things that when you back a campaign, if you're backing it, you then just sit back and go, okay, it says um, October 2015, and it's not happened yet. But I mean, obviously, on your side of things, you getting the funds, that's just the beginning. So, I mean, how has I mean, how has the production side of things been 
on your side? I mean, is it just as stressful, or I mean, are you in a are you in a calmer place now that you know it's funded and you can get it done? Yeah, it's definitely not as stressful uh, because things slow down considerably. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a little bit of a lingering stress because you feel like you want to keep people informed, yes. and sometimes you feel like the demand is stronger than your ability to satisfy that demand. You know, like yeah. pr- production is slow; it takes a long time to get the artwork done. You run into a whole bunch of speed bumps and hiccups along yeah. the way. Well, your artist he's um has he's had a little one, hasn't he? He's had a, an addition to his yes. family, hasn't he? Yes. How's how he has. How's he doing? How's the how's the little one? Have you met them? I have not met the little one yet. Uh, we not not. Personally, lots of pictures and oh, such on good. Facebook and that sort of thing. But he's doing okay. Uh, they're doing okay. They've been sick recently, uh, passing around illnesses. Well, that's and, what uh, happens when you have children, as you know. You know, you can't take them but, anywhere uh, without them picking up something. Uh, definitely. Well, that's good. But you know, I mean, yeah. So you're just are you in the stages where you kind of your art's done and you're just waiting? Is it? It's a waiting game, isn't it? You're waiting for the phone call or the email to say, "Okay, we've done this." This is what it looks like. Check the quality and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's sort of slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. The artist, he's working on the art. I've got a guy that I'm working with on the layout of the rules. And, and these things are happening. They're just not very sexy to look at right no. now. <laughs> no, this, the Kickstarter, the, the money thing, is the, it seems to be the sexy thing that everybody gets excited right. about. <laughs> and then, just like, you know, then you realize that you know in nine months' time, you're going to have a little baby board game. Kind of right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. See now that's a good analogy. <laughs> that, I'm not, that's I'm gonna have to write that. I'm tweeting that. <laughs> I'm live tweeting that out just now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No. You know me. I'm not attention seeking. Um, <laughs> I mean, on the other side of things, you know, with um, with you having this another successful Kickstarter campaign, do you have any more project ideas? I mean. Did you have other ones on the go at the same time as Sons of Lee? Do you have anything sitting at the moment that you're thinking, okay, this is the next thing that we're going to do? Or is it Valerie that does all the work? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, Valerie's not the designer, really, uh, at least not when it comes to the more complex stuff. She and I were the two main designers for Parenthood. Ah, right, okay. She's not really been much involved in Sans Allier at all, other than to say, uh, yes, I allow you to go do (laughs) interviews and uh, I allow you to be on the computer right now. All right. Well, that's, you know, that's good enough for me. (laughs) That is good enough for Um, me. But yeah, I've I've got a lot of different designs that are in various stages of completion. Some are more mature than others. and you, you, you kind of go through phases, you know, maybe I'll work on one for a while and it'll it'll kind of get stuck and feel like it's not going anywhere. So then you put that in the closet for a couple months and don't look at it mm. and work on other things and then maybe come back to it with some fresh eyes. Have you ever designed something, put it in the cupboard and then seen it on Kickstarter kind of months later and gone, oh, that's mine? Well, sort of, but uh, actually, this is more positive experience. I was working on a game that I was calling Captains of Industry. All right. And it was supposed to be a dice game, and it was supposed to be based on sort of these like robber barons from early American history. Mm-hmm. And I, I really got hung up, and we couldn't get it to work right at all, so I put it in the closet. And then a few months ago, sure enough, there's a game uh, called Captains of Industry, fully funded. Whoa. and 
and I bought it, and I looked at it and played it and, and said, oh, yeah, this is way better than what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> you can like, oh, dodge the bullet there. <laughs> yeah, this guy figured it out, thank goodness. Do you, I mean, um, are you are you an active kind of backer yourself? I mean, do you keep an eye on stuff? I mean, I don't, obviously. I, I As you, you know, on the podcast, we obviously have just a section which is called Give It A Kick, which we look at a couple of games that are, you know, out there and getting funded. Um, but obviously you can't back them all because otherwise you would have no money and I'd be living in a right. little house by myself. Um, right. But do you back yourself a little bit? Do you, you know, do you regularly kind of back the smaller guys or do you? I do. I try to back one project a month mm. and I just sort of keep my eyes open on, on what all is out there yeah. and, when, you know, come payday, I try to back at least one thing mm. that I think is really innovative and I really like to, you know, help those people out. And it's funny, once I back it, I kind of never look at it again. I don't, you know, the updates come in and I just kind of click them and go, great, you know, good news. But I don't really hold my breath waiting for it to no, arrive. No. I just sort of feel like I'm just trying to help these folks out yeah. and, you know, be part of the community. And, and if the game finally makes it to me, then... Hey, fantastic! You yeah. know, but I think I think, and I think one of the things I I said on the podcast was that I think that when you've got a much smaller kind of backer pool like yourself, I think everybody's a little bit more. There's a little bit more of a, a, a community on occasions going on, um, and also it, it is you know that in some ways you're kind of helping somebody really achieve potentially a goal or a dream that they might have had for for some time. Um, yeah. I mean that does lead into the next question. Now you've you've probably you know everybody's heard me have a a little rant about a bigger corporation before, but right. right. I mean, do you? I mean, what when you see these big companies that are you know that are offering the kind of the hundred dollar buy in and then they're funded, kind of an hour or two hours later, um, do you think hmm? you probably you know what are your thoughts on that do you think well it's fair enough it's kickstarter that's what kickstarter is for or do you think well maybe guy this is for the little guys and you guys probably have already the funding in place and you don't need kickstarter i mean i'm not putting words in your mouth but well this is obviously a big conversation and that that we keep having in the community and i have mixed feelings on it personally uh I don't think there should be some sort of exclusionary act where we say, no, you're too rich, you can't use Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, that's been suggested before. And I just think that wouldn't be fair either, you know, to try and come up with some sort of arbitrary system for saying, no, you you don't deserve to use this. Yeah, I mean, it might also kind of exclude, it might actually stop some of the smaller projects being funded because there will be some guys that will come in and spend $100 on one of the bigger campaigns and then maybe go, oh, I'll stick $30 on this as well. So there's a right, potential right. that might drive away some of the people maybe to a different a different kind of fund, funding platform. It's a difficult one because it's almost like you'll get bigger companies like, say, Cool Mini or not, who do run regular Kickstarters, but they have the kind of the minerals and the marketing to push people into Kickstarter. Right. You know, Um and it is a double-edged sword. I mean, I don't know if you saw, and we spoke, well, me and Colin spoke on the 
the last podcast and a couple of podcasts about the Dark Souls board game, which is a massive right. video game <laughs> yeah. franchise. I know, I was hit, in a full conversation about that myself. And it hit like four million. And it was the joke yeah. that um I was you know, it was the joke at the fact that they kinda like they kinda pressed the go button and they had you know, they went ding one million right. ding two million ding right. three million ding yeah. four million. You're just like that. You know, there's a lot of guys sitting out there looking for like six thousand dollars to fund their project, <laughs> and these guys yeah. are just like racking it in like sweetie money. But yeah, you, I, I guess you get to the point where you've just you can't think of anything else in terms of kind of like stretch goals. <laughs> you know, what do we send them? We could just send them another box. <laughs> just just send them another box just to keep stuff in. You know, just with a thank you note in it. But. Um, yeah, and I don't think that the big companies should be excluded in any way, shape, or form. And of course, even the term "big company" that's sort of I know you know that, it, that's open to interpretation, really. I know because the only thing that's sort of the only thing that I struggle with is that there's clearly groups and organizations who have the means to create magnificent campaigns in terms of the appearance yes. and the promotion and the product quality of their samples and prototypes and they just set the bar so high that it begins to defeat the purpose uh, of having a, a crowdfunding outlet like this for little guys who really really can't afford those kinds of things yeah. and what it does is it creates expectations for a lot of backers that everybody should offer certain things, and it, qualifies, it takes the attention away. It can away. qualify the smaller guys out because they'll look at it and they go, "Well, I can't provide three D rendered models of my miniatures. You know, I can't right. provide a fifteen minute graphically produced kind of Kickstarter YouTube video to explain the kind of the rules." Yeah, you know, it's really tough. Um, I guess on the other side, it does it kind of maybe helps to raise the quality. It may be, on the other side, the guys that are just kind of scribbling down a grid on a bit of A4 paper and saying, it's kind of like chess. Fund, yeah. fund me. <laughs> and there's always one going on Kickstarter. There's always some guy that's called, you know, Chess Excel or, you know, Chess Cubed or it's called chess, but it's not like chess because the rooks are pigeons or something like that, you know. Right. <laughs> There's always, check out just now, you guarantee you go on a Kickstarter, there'll be somebody using chess as the keyword. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the other thing, you've been there, you've come out the other side twice. I'm, you know, if I'm sitting there with a pad, a pad, some paper, I've got, so I've bought myself some meeples, I've bought myself a little bit of cardstock, you know, I'm thinking of putting together my first Kickstarter campaign. Um, what are the are there any tips you would give? You know, to anyone. Well, you know, like I was saying, the bar's set pretty high, so you want to try and reach it. I mean, and it's kind of kind of what you had suggested that it does help to filter out the people who are just scribbling games on napkins and that sort of thing. Mm. You know, um, and I think if you do build a community then the people who are part of that community, they understand yeah. what your perspective is. And I feel like we definitely had that with sans we had the, the We had hundreds of backers who understood that I am not cool mini or not, no. but I have nevertheless done, hopefully, a pretty good job on presentations no, so No, I mean, far. The, the stuff that you produced in the campaign was really, it was a good-looking 
campaign and the fact that they then got backed up with a kind of an online side of it that there was the game you could actually play there was a lot of community spirit there I think that that kind of and you were obviously invested in it you know an awful lot you weren't just pressing the go button and, and kind of sitting back you know you were active in the communication and sending people kind of out, out messages on a on a kind of a regular yeah. basis yeah, and, and I think that that'd probably be the best tip overall is that you you've got to have your fan base and you've got to build that loyalty because then they're willing to look past things that they know you can't possibly manufacture at this point. Yeah. You know, but they realize that your vested interest is trying to make something good and trying to contribute something worthwhile to the gaming community and not just say, "Hey, I've got this nifty idea, and I'm hoping to get rich this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, thanks. I mean, thanks for that. There are guys. I mean, there's a UK kind of Kickstarter group out there that are regularly kind of sharing information all the time. So, yeah. I mean, I think you know people need kind of need a little, a little, a lot of help and support, and not be put off by maybe kind of what they see and and ready to kind of reach out and try and get those get those goals. I mean, if people have missed the campaign, if they've missed Sans Ali, and if they want a copy, how how do we get one, Jeffrey? What do we do? I've missed Sans Ali. I want to get a copy of the game. How's, what's the best way? How do I get that? Best way is just to go to our website, pasco.net, mm-hmm. uh, click on the products page and find your way to the Sans Ali page. And we have a pre-order form there that will uh, allow a customer to order through PayPal services. And how much how much how much does the game cost? Uh, after tax and shipping and everything it ends up being $26 American, maybe 77 cents, something like that. So that's nothing, really. Money I, I mean it, <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean in terms I mean that is over here that's probably going to be about 15 pounds 16 pounds maybe plus the shipping it's going to be yeah about 18 pounds 19 pounds that's that's you know for a game that's not an awful lot of money um so yeah so i mean that for anyone again that's missed the campaign um you know why should they go to pasco.net and get them a copy you've got your however long it takes. Why should I get Sansa Lee? Oh, <laughs> this is my elevator this pitch is now? Your, well, yeah. Lift. Lift pitch. <laughs> You're in the UK. Okay. You're in the UK now. <laughs> oh, I'm in the UK, so it's a lift, it's a lift not pitch. Which sounds, Got it. It sounds wrong. <laughs> Go. <laughs> uh, well, if you're a fan of uh, area control, sort of grand strategy war games, but um, you don't have six players to assemble, and you don't have three hours to play, this is the game for you. This is a compressed version of that. It takes you about 45 minutes to an hour to play. You're playing solo, but it's got all the feeling of, uh, you know, the big titles like Risk or Axis and Allies. And it looks fabulous. Uh, yeah, that's that's all uh, it, my artist. It actually looks really, it looks really good, <laughs> and it's going to play very, very well. Um, obviously, you mentioned the website. If people want to say hello and follow you on social media... Um, are you Twitter? You wanna? Yeah, Twitter. I am at Pasco Games. Mm-hmm. 
and we've also got uh, a Facebook outlet, which is just sort of an extension of the website, and that's uh, Pasco Gaming and Geeking. Oh, cool. Uh, and and Pasco.net, that's your, that's your easiest hub. You can access all the other social media from there as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Um, you know that's almost an hour? <laughs> Great. I know. I mean, that's fantastic. Listen, um, thank you... Um, Thank you very, very much for, for spending the time. Um, Sansa Lee looks thoroughly interesting. It looks, you know, I'll be happily, um, you know, I, I'll be happily looking forward to, to getting my copy when it comes out. Can't wait to play it. Um, get Colin to play it as well. I'm sure he'll have a big couple of choices. He likes um, He likes that kind of theme. He's a big kind of... He likes his Napoleonic stuff. He likes his World War Two stuff. So he'll definitely be be having a shot as well and obviously when we get a hold of it then you'll be in part of a get to the table section so we'll give a full kind of review at the time again but yeah. um just again thank you very much for your time this evening um no not a problem thank you, know, you for and, having and it's been it's been fantastic and uh, again it's uh you know pasco games um it's pasco.net and you can find uh Jeffrey on on Twitter as well, but um, this is the end of our first special kind of We're Not Wizards interview. We hope to have um, a few more. We've got a few names kind of running up, and uh, we'll let you know on our Twitter account as normal. So it's or Facebook as well. So it's facebook.com forward slash We're Not Wizards. You can get us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You can get us on iTunes at something else. I've still no idea what to call that thing. Um, if you've got any questions you can also email us at magic at wearenotwizards.com or .co.uk um, again thanks again for your time Jeffrey. it's been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, thanks for that cheers bye bye bye